Wonderful. God is good. God is good. I just invite you just to open your hearts to the Word of God. You know, I think in, we can often say open your heart and worship, open your heart to the Holy Spirit, but it's the same thing to open our hearts to the Word of God and what God says in His Word is powerful. And we're in a time where the Holy Spirit is moving, but He's moving together with the Word of God. And there's a restoration of an honoring of the Word as there is a restoration and honoring the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue today in Ephesians and go through, uh, we're continuing in Ephesians chapter 4 and, and just trust that God would speak. I'm speaking, but am I speaking? You know what I'm saying? I heard that, but I heard that. We all understand that. So Lord, we ask you to speak. Everyone here is going to sit in these seats for the next half an hour, Lord. I just pray you'd speak. We're here. I just pray for my own ears to hear. I pray for my own heart, Lord. You know everything. Everything's naked and laid bare before you right now. No one can hide. No one plays poker and wins against you, Lord. You know all things. So we just ask that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to go over a couple of scriptures that we went uh, just to give context instead of just diving into in chapter 4 that we went over last week. So I say this and affirm in the Lord that you no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having been callous, have given themselves up to indecent behavior for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. That's what we covered last week. We're going to cover the next couple, next couple scriptures here. But you, turning to us as Christians, did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard of him and have been taught of him, just as truth is in Jesus that in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourself, yourselves of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. I just want to just break this down a little bit. I think it would be helpful and try, and, and I always asking the Lord, what do you want to highlight here? As you guys know, you probably preach Ephesians for years. It is so rich. It is that zip file that, woo, lots going on. You did not learn Christ in this way. Well, well Paul, what way are you talking about? Well, he's just, in the futility of your natural minds, the acquisition of information the, that's solely based on human reasoning, as it were. Um, gathering more knowledge and hopes to attain a higher spiritual plane. Greater education thereby takes me closer to God. You did not learn Christ in this way. These people that live in darkness cannot hope to come to a state with their futile minds and their darkened understanding to know God. That's what Paul's saying here. It's like a blind man saying, hey, 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 can you pass me that flashlight? Like, what? 
the mechanism there, the mind, the human mind, the natural mind is, is, is incapable of bringing spiritual enlightenment. It's a fallen condition. It's powerless. It's, it's just in and of itself cannot attain to that which is higher. And we've seen this multiple times, particularly in the Greek mindset at the time, where continual learning as though it were this ladder that you climb and in the greater education and learning and knowledge that you become more religious. And this is a familiar passage I want to highlight because Paul kind of gives you a, a great breakdown in Corinthians because the Corinth church was very much affected by this mindset. And there's a whole passage. Read the first chapter. It is fascinating how much it correlates with the current culture we're in today. But Paul says this, Where is the wise person? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. You get that? God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews are asked for a sign and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. It's like God knew that he put right before them the gospel would be a stumbling block to the Jew and absolute foolishness to the Gentile. And we see that even today as we often attempt to make Jesus fit in. Jesus is cool, right? He doesn't fit in. He was never supposed to fit in. He's not from this planet. He is wholly set apart. Even Paul, John says he was from above is above all. His message is one of challenge. If he were of the world, the world, he says, the world would have accepted him. We have to watch how we try and present Jesus to make sense, as it were. We did not learn Christ in this way. We did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. I love the personal nature of this. Have you heard him? Have been taught in him? Have you heard his voice? I'm not talking about audible. Have you felt the conviction, the leading, the challenging, the comforting of Jesus himself? Not just the preacher, not just the pastor. Not just the person on the TV screen, but Jesus himself. Truth is in Jesus. There's that in thing again. Remember that preposition I beat to death in chapter 1? You're like, okay, enough. Paul does tend to repeat himself. I was saying to Jeb, it's sometimes challenging. Like, well, very similar to what he said before. Jesus in Christ. It's like Noah's Ark. It was a great ark. And you could look at the ark and go, that could save a lot of people. And you sit there, wow, that would probably, the waves coming out would be good. But you actually have to be in the ark to be saved. You don't have to believe the ark can do that. You actually have to be in the ark. 
and is in Christ. There is no other place that one can find salvation. In Christ. And, and I feel that the, the Lord just again to reiterate a truth before us. A very simple truth to remind us. Jesus said this. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. You say, Nick, I'm doing great. I'm on a way. And I don't got Jesus. I'm telling you, you ain't on the right way then. Because Jesus and the way are one. You cannot say, I'm on the right path and not be on Jesus. You say, Nick, I've got truth. I've got my truth. Well, if Jesus ain't a part of that, you do not have truth. You have deception. You have a lie. If you have divorced Jesus Christ from truth, He is the truth. You say, I got life. I'm living a great life. I'm partying hard. Things are going great my way. I got life. No, you don't. You've got deception. Riches profit not on the day of judgment. Is a point of man wants to die and then comes the judgment. Jesus is the life. When he speaks, he speaks forth life. It's, it's so important for us to absorb this as we walk through a culture and an atmosphere, a spiritual atmosphere, that would want to draw us away and distract us from way truth life. Christ alone. No adding, no subtracting. Now after Paul reminds us of the new life in Christ... He goes on to instruct us here on how to live in the following verses. Now, the, 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 the course and the sequence here is very important. He has to establish first before he gives these instructions that you're in Christ. Because if you're not in Christ, you cannot fulfill these instructions. You understand? That you in reference, verse 22, your former way of life, that you rid yourselves, yourselves of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness, holiness, the holiness, holiness of the truth. Paul introduces an interesting metaphor here. So it's, like, it's like putting on a jacket, taking a jacket off, or putting a jacket on. And that's actually what the Greek is, to take off and put on. Now, he's illuminating, and he will use, like Jesus, various metaphors and parables to highlight certain truths and aspects where he's talking about walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. You must rid yourself of your old self and put on the new self. Now, it's somewhat of an abstract thought there, and I just want to highlight it through Colossians. He gives us a bit more instruction on what that looks like. Because it uh, sounds great, but how do I take off and put on? Is a question I would have as a practical person. Colossians 3. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above which Christ, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, 
and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. I love the beginning here. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, have you been raised with Christ? It all starts with faith. Yes, I have been raised up with Christ. Paul has taught us that for the last four chapters. I'm intimately involved in his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. I, by faith, am in him and have been processed through that, and now I look up. Why? Because that's where I'm seated, in Christ Jesus. So it starts with faith. It starts with stirring that up in you. If you do indeed have faith in Christ. Seeking the things above. There's a lot about seeking in the scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seeking the thing above. Reasoning. Seek first that which is from above. And I love it. It says set your minds. I always think of concrete setting. Set your minds to know God. Set your minds to know the word. I find for me it's like this often. I tend to wake up before the alarm goes off. I'm like, oh man, I should hope it's only three. Oop, quarter to six. Great. I'm exhausted. Anyone else here exhausted? <laughs> yeah. But then I just start going, Lord, I just praise you. I exalt the name of the Lord. I don't do it in some weird pagan ritual. I do it in faith because he is my Lord. And I begin to proclaim him. As I'm lying there, my wife's sleeping, I'm... Lord, I just praise you, exalt you. And it's only, I come, out of sleep, I come out of sleep. And then I begin to walk that out. Go downstairs. I put on the music. I start to worship the Lord. Maybe I'm making breakfast, making coffee, worshiping the Lord. I open the Word of God. I can tell you, when I start that way in my day, it's dramatically different than starting my way otherwise. It is setting. Poof. I don't feel an angel getting me out of bed. Hey, Nick. Yeah, welcome. What's the angel? Oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah. I put on, I make a decision because I could do elsewise, otherwise, right? You have a decision to make. Oh, you don't understand. That jacket's so heavy. Just put on the jacket, man. Quit whining. Okay? Not to say suck it up, buttercup, because that would be cruel. And I'm not that kind of guy. I always, for me, I, I like to say, I always say, picture whining before the no-pierced Son of God, and it might help us a bit. We choose whether we get up and what we do. You are no longer a slave to sin, unless you offer your body, of course, Romans chapter 6, but we are free to make choices now as Christians. No one knows what goes on between your ears, except you and the Lord, and maybe your spouse. And it's important for us to take the hold of this in light of what Paul is saying of who we are. That we can do this. That we can walk this directives out. That we set our minds on the things of God. I mean, it's amazing in Mark, uh, Mark, 3, or Mark 8.33, remember when Jesus asked Peter who he is, and it's, it's a great time. And then, and then Peter says, hey, Jesus, you're not going to be crucified. And, and, and the Lord's rebuke to, to Peter is, well, Satan actually, is you've set your things on the earth and not on God's things. You've set your mind 
on your purposes and not God's purposes. And yet it was sentimentally very nice. He loved Jesus. He doesn't want him to be crucified. Everyone goes, that's just so beautiful. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. You're like, whoa, that was crazy. It didn't matter the sentimental value, the tear in the eye. It was not God's purposes. We need to put on the new self. We need to put on the new self morning, daily. Make a choice. Get up. As you're dressing, however you would do it. But it all starts with just, for me, it all starts with a couple first thoughts as I awaken where I'm going to go. Amen? Now, keep in mind as we talk of this, and we're going to go into it now, that the mind is not set aside, but renewed. The mind is extremely important to the Christian. And Paul even says in, in Ephesians here that he calls the spirit that the, the renewal in the spirit of our minds. And, and it's just a growing up, that, that understanding that you used to think like that and now you think differently. It's a bit like to me with toddlers. If you let toddlers run around and they try and deal with something, and you're like, what are they doing? They have no thought of context or anything. What's this? It's obviously even worse when we think in the natural versus the supernatural, the spiritual. How far off in the decisions we make in our carnal selves? How are we like, we, we, we just, I guess we're off just making, it's like a kid, you know, grabbing the car keys. He's four years old. All right, I'm going for a drive. You're like, what are you doing? Well, it's no different with us as we walk in the spirit of our flesh, not the spirit, the mind, the mind. Paul, again, I just, I know I've used this scripture before for Corinth, but I do think it's important to get to know the scriptures that speak of these things so clearly because we do esteem academia and the, the natural mind. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, amen, but the spirit is from God, so that we may know the things freely given us by God. How? By the spirit. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It's powerful understanding that by the Spirit we know the things freely given us by God. Spiritual thoughts, spiritual insights. Amen. It's going to keep moving here on to 20, verse 25. He continues in his instructions. Therefore, ridding yourselves of falsehood. There's that ridding yourself. Remember he said rid your of the old self, get rid of the old self. Get rid of falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, because we are parts of one another. Stop lying. Stop deception. Stop falsehood. This is from the evil one. In fact, he, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is from the evil one. No more white lies, no more half-truths. We're exhorted to speak the truth in love. And I can tell you as a salesman, in my, uh, that's how I make money, you can quickly get off course. 
I understand this speaking to each other, but, but truth in general. It's called truthy now, or my truth. Your, like, I don't even know what that means. My truth, your truth, my truth, I can lie, but it's not a lie because it's my truth. What? Speak the truth in love, but speak the truth to one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath or your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Now the Lord, just remember the Lord going through the temple with the, the, the guys that were monetizing the, 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 uh, the, the Old Testament. They were essentially making money from it. A little good side hustle. And Jesus knocks over the tables. He's, he even makes a scourge, whipping them. So clearly that wasn't sin because he's sinless. He got really angry though. But it was without sin. And, but one has to be wary when one is angry where that can lead you. Even when you look at particular politics, because that's the one that's a hot topic with people. They start getting fuming. Eh? It's a quick one. I think they call it triggering. Get triggered. People get triggered a lot. Angers are just right there. Wrath. But it gives even a place to the devil. There's something about anger we have to watch ourselves with. It's not to say there's no place for righteous anger. There's no place, there's no place to be, as it were, offended. But how do you deal with it? You can lose clarity. That's what I find. You lose clarity. It's almost like you lose your mind. Like when you get really angry, you have to be very careful. It does not bubble over and you become over, overcome by it. Think of all the sins that have happened over the course of the planet over the years as a result of anger. Look at Cain and Abel, the first murder. Anger is something that we must address and be aware of. And not christen it as, oh, this is, this is righteous anger, when it may not be. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, your anger, nor give place to the devil. He continues, the one who steals must no longer steal. But rather he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. God's into hard work. I want you to know that. God's okay with you working hard. I always think he, he chose fishermen. I, he hasn't told me this, so don't write it down. But one of the reasons he chose fishermen is because they know how to work hard. They just go out and they labor until they catch fish. It's not like coffee break. I come, okay, coming in. All right, maybe they do now. I don't know. But I think you go out on a boat. And until the, the hull is full of fish, you don't come home or until you're out of food. At least on the TV shows I've seen. But they labor hard. They work. If there's fish, they're laboring. It's 2 in the morning. Yeah, but the salmon are running. God's okay with hard work. In fact, he says, and Paul says in Thessalonians, if man does not work, neither shall he eat. Man does not provide for his family. He's worse than an unbeliever. These are challenges that Paul gives to people being idle even if it's for righteous reasons as they were back then because they thought Jesus was going to return anytime, so they quit their jobs. But he wants labor. But you'll note here, it's not just labor to produce for yourself. You see that? So you may help others. It's not all for you. This is a fundamental. It's like how many times do you say that to your kids? 
Yes, I understand, sweetie, but I also load the dishwasher. I did not eat from those dishes, but I do that. Like, it's not all about you, dude. I mean, it's such a key immaturity with kids, isn't it? And so it is in the kingdom. It ain't all about you. It's about you. It's good. Yeah, the Lord loves you. It's about you, but it's what God does through you. Like Abraham, right? I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless the nations through you. And so I love the idea that you will not only go to work to provide for yourself, but to provide, to earn so you could provide for others. It's an incredible picture of the kingdom, what Paul is giving us here as he gives us handles on how to live. Because often you're like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's well, right here. There's a lot in Scripture that gives us instructions on how to live with each other and towards God. I think I'm gonna just. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna conclude it here. Just gonna land it. Just with time. Paul, in the beginning of Ephesians, is enlightening a person who has come to Christ and knows nothing. Take take this in your mind. Say you knew. Remember the day when you first came to the Lord and you knew nothing other than Jesus Christ died for your sins. You put your faith in Him for that, and then you're blank slate. You don't know what. Paul brings this individual through in their identity and who they are. And he's calling them higher. And out of that identity, he now refers to them in that identity, not in who they think they are. You may think you're a wretched little dog. He's not going to talk to you like a wretched little dog. He's talking to you as a child seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because only from that vantage point and that understanding will you accomplish what you're called to accomplish in the kingdom. It's only from that vantage point will you be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. I can tell you a human being fears evil when they walk through that. So how do you walk through that? Because you are seated in heavenly places. You walk in that identity. You take off the flesh and you put on Christ. You clothe yourself in Christ. Colossians goes right in much deeper into it. And so this is the petition. Now that you're clothed in Christ, let's get on to business. God's going to deal with your character. You may think God is far more interested in giving you the gifts of the Spirit, or the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit, but he's, He is definitely really interested in the fruit of the Spirit. It's not necessarily as, as glamorous, and we do want the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, He is working away in our lives. He's taking you through things. He's letting... Bad things happen to you. So that you would turn to him and see his hand move. Difficult is the path that leads to life. It's difficult. No one said it wouldn't be. I mean, look at Jesus, the holy man that ever, holiest man that ever lived. They crucified him. The most righteous man, most loving man, they crucified. The, the 11 of the 12 apostles were all, all martyred. This is the calling that was on the, the, the early church. But it was only when you walked in the new revelation of who we are and what we're called to do that you could take your eyes off the temporal and look to that which is eternal and what is called the hope. The hope of why we're going through what we're going through. The hope that takes you through the various challenges is you look into the hope that's given in Christ. And this is what I believe Paul, the thrust through all of his various epistles are, is, is, is calling us out into who we are and to stop looking temporally, and to looking eternally. This is the call of God, I believe, on this church. Obviously, an 
all churches, I would believe. That God would have us, that God would get us, that there would be a submission and a cloak put on us that God could do whatever he wanted through us. And that God would be glorified in this church. That people would see the good works and the lives that we lead because we are seated in heavenly places and we live from that vantage point and go, why are you so different? It's no longer I, it is Christ. It is a simple calling that we have. And I just, I'm just so encouraged that Paul continually hits me over the head with it. And every time I prepare a message, I'm like, wow, Lord, your word is so clear. Your word is so amazing. The depth and the knowledge in the word of God that just penetrates and cuts about challenging myself, challenging me higher in him. Let's stand together as we pray. Thank you, Lord. We dishonor your name. We thank you for such treasure in earthen vessels. We thank you that we are in Christ. We thank you for the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. We just honor your name. I just pray, Father, for revelation in each of our hearts. Revelation in who we are in you. Revelation on who you are. I pray, Lord God, that we would put aside the old flesh, the old self, and walk in the newness of life, the newness of Christ. I pray that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged. I pray that you would lead us in repentance, lead us in those areas that are dogging us like weights, that won't let us rise to the stature of our calling in Christ. I pray that you break off fear, break off the fear of men, the fear of the culture, the fear of the time we're living in, the fear of whatever it is, Lord. I pray you broke it off. I pray for clarity and 2020 vision in the spiritual realm. We want our lives to count. We don't want to just make it. We want to stand fast. Just praise you, Lord. Just honor your name. Be exalted in this house, we pray. Be lifted up. May your name be great. feel if you don't know the Lord here and you heard that Jesus is the, the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's why you open your heart. If you do not know Jesus, you've heard about him, you may even curse his name. You may even use his name as a blasphemous word daily. He is still calling you to repentance. He still died for you. And all you need is to submit, to give in, to tap out. I'm just encouraging you to open your heart, to, to, to say, yes, Lord, you are the way. I agree. You are the way. I agree. You are the life. So Lord, I just pray that you would just move upon people that do not know you and draw them. If that's you, I just want to, we're going to be down here just to come down and to talk with you and to, to if you've got questions and you're not ready to commit to Christ, we're, we, we want to talk. We want to dialogue. So Lord, have your way in this house, we pray. Thank you, Lord.